0: When I shoot my shot, it's still a wild, where it's going, in. Cross niggas like Bubba Chuck, I never gave a fuck. Hook shot a hole like Kareem, but I never lead a buck. I hit that Janobi with my left hand on like, woo! Bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym? Wrong nights, I perform like Mike. Anyone, Tyson, Jordan, Jackson, action. James Harden with the range of you nigga way back. Michael Jordan, 1985, bitch, I travel with a cocaine sucker.
1: And you can live through anything if magic made it. Thank What up my fellow Knicks fans, this is your guy Marcellus Ease, and don't panic quite yet. Now in this ever changing landscape the NBA this season, I'll be touching base on a few things that involves our beloved Knicks, like the upcoming February schedule, the Eastern Conference landscape, Masai Ujiri's contract situation, and I'll also touch base on the March 25th trade deadline, and especially how that could be looking like for the Knicks. And finally we'll take a trip down memory lane as amari has sat down and reflected on his time in new york how he bought an exciting brand of basketball back to the city and some of the key moments that he had at msg but before we get to all that i want you guys to check out my weekly gems in the description below i know you guys got a lot of different hobbies and different interests there's a lot of gems you could read up on that you could download straight into your phone even music playlists there's recommendations for good tv series and movies there's also magazines on fashion style. And even business so definitely check it out and also i'll be starting up a late night call show where we can discuss the knicks so definitely sign up for the email list that way you can get all the info you need to call in as well as get notifications on when the show will air now with masai ujiri i thought it was very interesting that he's sitting on his contract extension and just sort of letting it play out, which kind of tells me that he might be interested to see what the landscape is going to be willing to offer him in order to lure him outside of Toronto. Now, even though Masai Ujiri is one of the more sought after vice presidents slash GMs in the league, he's a very interesting guy because it might not necessarily be a position play as far as getting a nice title with a brand new team or even with the currently with the Raptors. Now, I know you guys are thinking like, all right, the Knicks already got a president of the team. Their position is pretty much filled up. Masai is not going to take another position with the Knicks. But hear me out on this. This guy kind of has ambitions outside of the traditional role of being president slash GM. He wants to sort of be the bridge, the connection between the NBA world and their resources and taking that and developing a serious league slash developmental program within the many countries in the continent of Africa. And in order to make this happen, you're going to need to work for ownership group that has a lot of resources. And I'm looking at James Dolan. He's definitely one of the guys that can make this happen on a serious level. As Masai Ujiri has proven that there is major potential in that continent to bring in talent into the NBA stage, as we've seen with Pascal Siakam and OG Anunoby up in Toronto. This is where organizations like the Knicks have the leverage to lure a guy like Masai Ujiri to take Scott Perry's position And potentially work as vice president under leon rose but at the same time masai ujiri will have a new resource to be the face of development basketball within the continent of africa with real access to resources aka all them damn sponsorships to nick scott because it's not ironic that they're the most expensive franchise in the world Their sponsorship game is on point. And some of those resources could be trickled down into developing into Masai Ujiri's program that he's trying to make happen, which is basketball with no borders and just overall developing players and coming up with a system for guys to come out of that continent and to come on into the nba stage and at the same time something like this could really work out for the knicks if they allow him to do so because they will be the first ones to have access to some of the top talent and low-key gems coming out of that continent as the toronto raptors have experienced in the last couple years masai ujiri once again he's proven that this works is that now he just needs major resources and funding to put behind it. And just having him as a GM slash vice president, I would say under Leon Rose, the Knicks would have to allow him to maybe perhaps disappear for a few weeks at a time, going to the continent, scouting guys, and just you know talking to their families, developing players, and trying to come up with that system over there. That's really gonna be one of the major issues to see if that deal can really happen. Because I'm thinking Masayu Ujiri is not going to walk in to a place like Madison Square Garden or just any other franchise that have major resources and is just going to be happy taking a president or GM job. That basketball program that he wants in Africa, that comes with him. So the Knicks, once again, they could not necessarily position a job title to Masayu Ujiri, but they can definitely leverage the resources that they could put behind him into developing that program that he wants to do in the many countries throughout Africa. And at the same time in return, the Knicks could become solidified by landing a guy like Masai Ujiri as a free agent destination and just the overall destination for players to come. Because if we land him, they're gonna know we're 100% serious. You're going to have Leon Rose, William Wesley, Masai Ujiri, Tom Thibodeau, a bunch of well-respected assistant coaches and developmental coaches such as Kenny Payne. That's a hell of a combination. But sometimes landing a guy like Masai Ujiri, sometimes it takes connecting on a more human level to land a guy like that, to see what he's really all about. And just from my perspective, I can see right now he wants to leverage the blessings that he's received right now as being one of the most sought-after, NBA executives and leverage that into building something bigger than himself and helping some of the people back home, especially in his home continent of Africa. And I could also correlate this to the Kawhi situation. I always wondered with Kawhi, seeing how things played out, how he travels from San Diego to the Staples Center. He clearly wanted to be around his family and friends. And I always wondered if the Toronto Raptors kinda saw that in Kawhi and was willing to go far and beyond To have maybe his family and friends take flights on a private jet to come see him or if he has some friends that have some issues with maybe paperwork into getting into Canada, whether it be child support, or maybe warrants, if the ownership could take care of that for him. Sometimes when you connect with guys like that, of more on a human level, sort of from a place of understanding, you can make it a lot easier into landing them. And in someone like in Masai Ujiri's position, he clearly cares about helping his people back home. So if an ownership can put the resources and the eyes around the programming that he wants to develop over there, they definitely got the leg up to land him. I'm just, throwing that out there because sometimes the owners they're so far disconnected from just the everyday person and especially in business dealings that they forget sometimes when you connect with guys and really see what they're about sometimes that really lands you the deal but i can't really fault some of these billionaire owners because sometimes they just don't know. The next job, in my opinion, is the next level up for Masai Ujiri to take on a challenge. He'll be walking into a scenario in which he has over $70 million in free cap space, plenty of draft picks going forward, and a bunch of young talent that they currently have to develop, and a well-respected group of individuals who have one vision and one plan. And at the same time, he'll have all the resources and funding that he needs to develop players within the African borders. So we'll see how this plays out, because once again, He's holding out for a reason. The Raptors have recently re-signed Fred Van Vliet. They locked in Pascal Siakam. They gave OG Anunoby a major extension. And Masai Ujiri is still sitting on his contract extension still. So y'all pay attention. And it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Because Masai Ujiri is going to be very sought after. Now going into the month of February, I want to talk about the scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. Now definitely the league had fucked the Knicks over in the beginning of the season. With a long layoff, a short preseason, and a bunch of young guys on the team giving them probably the league's most seven back-to-back games in the start of the first half of the scheduling. Now in the month of February, at least the scheduling is going to start to come down a little bit as far as the burden of it. Because the Knicks have a lot of home games, and they only have six away games out of 15. So the rough portion of our scheduling is nearly over. And especially with guys coming off of injuries or just getting their health back like Frank Nilekina, Alec Burke. Reggie Bullock, with these guys coming back into the rotation and just a lot of home games, this is an area now where we can try to play catch up and try to stay around that seven, six seed, eight seed, or even ninth and tenth seed area at least to get into the playoffs and slash knockout rounds. And speaking of the playoffs, I want to talk about the Eastern Conference landscape. As the Eastern Conference in the past couple of years, man, it's changed a lot. We've seen a lot of great players and a lot of teams been formed around this conference ever since that year that jimmy butler was on the 76ers and Kawhi went to the raptors low-key the eastern conference their top four teams were no joke including the celtics when they had Kyrie. but the larger portions of the nba media they tend to disrespect the eastern conference and make it seem like they're just a bunch of nobodies in reality they have to ask themselves why in the hell was damian lillard and the swiss cheese defense of the portland trailblazers in the western conference finals in 2019. But I'll leave that for a separate episode. But going back to currently the Eastern Conference now, there's a few teams that are at the bottom of the conference, but I'm expecting them to make a major push to get around that 8th seed, 7th seed, or even 5th seed, aka the Miami Heat, which Jimmy Butler has recently got cleared of COVID protocols to work his way back into getting into shape and playing with the team, and also the Toronto Raptors which they're starting to get back in stride as Pascal Siakam is starting to play more consistent. And they're starting to get into their you know, to, you know know their regular mode because going down to Tampa Bay basically threw that team off. It seems like they're out of their routine and their play is kind of showing for it. But right now, they're kind of getting back in stride. So I expect the Toronto Raptors to make a major push to get into the mix, especially during the second half of the season. Now, the Knicks right now, the second half of the season for them should be a lot easier than the first half because of the strength of the scheduling, especially with the traveling, all the back to back games that they had. I'm very interested to see what the league does, because the league definitely fucked us over with the scheduling, because all the teams that were not in the bubble, like the Golden State Warriors, they receive a pretty easy schedule, only very few games that they had that that were back to back. Matter of fact, I'm going to let you know right now. The Golden State Warriors had four back-to-backs in the first leg of this season. The Bucks only had 3. The Miami Heat had 3, the Mavericks had 3. And if you notice all these teams have the names Luka, Curry, Giannis. The Lakers had 4, that's LeBron James. The Clippers surprisingly had 5. But to throw the Knicks 7 back-to-backs with a young team and a long layoff, I'm surprised we didn't have more injuries than what we actually got. Thank God we're blessed and nothing major happened because when you mix in this sickness that's going around with the COVID along with regular injuries and guys being out because of that, the first half of our season could have been a disaster. And you mix in a short preseason camp with a bunch of new young guys to get their chemistry right i mean all these things together man i'm telling you the league low-key was trying to fuck us over but we persevered through that shit Tibbs got the team acting right even though we kind of fell off after that west coast trip a little bit we came down to earth we still in a good position to enter the month of february and the second half of the season and it should be a bit smoother sailing going forward so with the scheduling getting a little bit easier going forward, we got to take advantage of it because we will be battling the Hawks, the Cavs, and I expect the Raptors and the Heat to make a push. So the bottom half of the Eastern Conference from 6th seed all the way to the 10th seed, which qualifies to be a knockout team in the playoffs, it's going to be a, a battle royal to get in that shit. So to the NBA or whoever makes the scheduling, you better act like you know and do us right for the second leg of the season. As we will be watching and keeping tabs and speaking of the nba it seems like they set march 25th as a new trade deadline and you know there's a few rumors already the knicks looking possibly to get derrick rose i've seen that rumor floating around but the knicks do have 18 million dollars in free cap space to perhaps make a trade take on somebody's salary that another team doesn't want to take on and maybe we, we could also leverage that by getting a draft pick from that team by taking on that salary Sort of in the same way the Memphis Grizzlies were able to take on the salary of Andre Iguodala from the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors also threw them a first-round draft pick. Also, Mitchell Robinson will be entering unrestricted free agency in 2021, so I would not be surprised if maybe if the Knicks could get a good deal during the trade deadline, if they leverage him as an asset and trade him off to get another piece that perhaps the Knicks and their new front office think that they need. Also, Julius Randle will be interesting to see how he plays out because right now his stock is very high and his contract for next season is not guaranteed. So it'll be interesting to see if the Knicks can leverage him if they do not have him as part of their future going forward. They might dump him to get some assets and also have enough room to allow Obi Toppin to start growing. So the next few weeks, especially leading up to that March 25th trade deadline, we'll begin to see some of the cards getting revealed of Leon Rose and his team's future plans for the Knicks if Julius Randle is part of it and I'm not saying that to hate on Julius Randle or anything. I appreciate the way he's playing, but I'm wondering with Leon Rose spending that first round draft pick in 2020 on a power forward, did they have any intention of keeping Julius Randle? Did they already have it in mind that they were not going to resign him? These are the things that we have to ask ourselves because his fate might've been sealed the moment that they spent their first round draft pick on Obi Toppin. And keep in mind, Frank Nilekina, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Alonzo Trier, none of these guys were Leon Rose's and his team's draft picks. So they might not be as invested in these guys. They may have a different vision for the team going forward. So don't be too shocked at the trade deadline if something unexpected happened. And best believe Leon Rose and his team are not going to answer to anyone in the media on the moves that they are making especially this past offseason when it was repeatedly said the Knicks need a star. They should just get Westbrook just because. None of these media members know what the fuck they're talking about. And shout out to Leon Rose and his team for not even entertaining that shit. But at the end of the day, we see that type of media pressure never made any sense to begin with because we see the Wizards record right now and their struggles. So shout out to Leon Rose and his team to not bowing down to no media pressure So Amari Stoudemire has sat down with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes on their show, All The Smoke. I definitely recommend you guys to check it out. But he reflected on his time in New York City as his arrival brought back an exciting brand of basketball to the city. A lot of ball movement was happening, especially in that Mike D'Antoni system. And of course, Amari Stoudemire is a high flyer. He actually brought stardom to the city, which in years prior, we were lacking. You guys check it out. And every once in a while, check in.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean, I mean when I when I when fragrancy hit, it was like it was a big fragrancy that year. You know what I'm saying? Everyone was everyone, LeBron, everybody was like a fragrance that year. Mm-hmm. And so um, Miami Heat was the first thing that called me. Pat called me, we talked on the phone. I talked to the Rockets, I talked to the Nets at the time, it was the Jersey Nets at the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I talked to I talked to the few teams and I, and the Knicks so I spent a lot of time in New York. in My childhood years, I was raised in Port Jervis, New York. And so I was always like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, always I had a love for New York. Even though I was a Bulls fan, I was an MJ fan growing up. But still I had love for the Knicks in New York growing up. So when 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 Mike D'Antoni was there in New York and, then, and then some of the coaching staff that I was with here in Phoenix was already there, I'm like, this might be a, a nice fit for me to just go there and kind of pick up where I left off. And so that's when, I, that's when I decided to go to New York and, uh, Yeah, I wanted to bring some guys with me. I talked about bringing CP. I talked about bringing Tony Parker. I talked about bringing Mello. You know what I'm saying? I I ended up bringing Mello to New York. You know what I'm saying? Like I was already on that, like bringing players in to the city to make things happen here. Uh, You know, so that was the whole mission.
1: What was it like becoming a Nick, though? Like, what was that experience like? Like, what, like, a lot of people want to play in the Garden. A lot of people want to play for the Knicks. Just that experience of playing the Madison Square Garden is one thing, being there, uh, watching the game, watching Spike and all of them. But actually being a player for the New York Knicks, one of the best players coming out of their locker room every day, dealing with the media and all that. What is it like actually being a New York Knicks player? No,
0: I enjoyed it, man. I really did. I, I think at that time, the front office was, like, on point. We had, we had, we had, we had you know, solid GMs. We had Dunny Walsh there. We had Glenn Gould. We had, you know, Walsh doing a heck of a job.
1: And Donnie Walsh is definitely one of the more solid GMs that the Knicks have had in a long time. And Donnie Walsh was definitely one of the more solid GMs that the Knicks had in years. He put together a well-running machine, especially around Mike D'Antoni, players that could fit within that system of just a lot of ball movement. We had Gallinari as a nice three-point shooting threat. Mari Stoudemire in the middle to attack the paint. Definitely one of the more solid GMs that the Knicks have had. The only mistake I would say within those years is using that amnesty clause on Chauncey Billups, which we all know, Amari Stoudemire looking back, his knees definitely had a timetable of how they were going to hold up. If you look at the final results of Amari Stoudemire's years within the Knicks, the first year he was amazing, made the all-star team, but every year after that, his points per game, his minutes per game went down, and how many games played, he went, it all went downhill from there. And that was to be expected. But the Knicks, at the time, they were protected by that amnesty clause until they used it on Chauncey Billups in order to sign Tyson Chandler. Um,
0: That's my guy. he was doing a heck of a job in New York, and everything was running perfectly from an organization standpoint. And then so when I was there with the Knicks, it was like, you know, um, everything is top-notch everything. You got the Rockettes performing at halftime. You got, you got Taylor Swift doing the pregame, like a pregame uh, uh, um, intro for the Knicks. My family meeting their, their favorite artists. Everything was ran class A. You got Broadway shows. I was going to the Met Gallows in fashion. I was one of the first guys to go to the fashion shows and sit, you know what I'm saying, sit front row with Anna Wintour. I was going to the, to the operas, you
1: Yes, a lot of that stuff that the NBA players love doing nowadays, Amari definitely do, was doing that way before. And this was when social media, especially Instagram, was starting to come about. Amari Stoudemire was already doing half the things that the players were doing, going to all these high-end fashion shows, especially the Met Gala. All these things were full in effect for Knicks stars already. Once again, playing for the Knicks right now is basically an untapped gem that a lot of players especially due to the, all the negativity from the media they're overlooking.
0: I put on the tuxedo and go to the opera, anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was doing all that New York Yeah, some bro,
2: man, shit. I love, I love hearing about the off-court because although it wasn't yeah. a
0: championship-type
2: team, it's still, you guys made the playoffs, obviously, but it's still New York, you know, similar to L.A. Like, there's yeah. no experience like being a Laker, but then that experience like being the is right there. You know what I mean? Because New York is obviously live, so it's dope to hear, like, all the shit off the court that came with it because you guys are doing your job on the court.
1: And the off the court stuff, the players, a lot of these players, man, that bite into this media hype of the Knicks not being a destination, they don't understand. Maybe if they're playing for these other teams, maybe like buying a nice luxury car, but playing for the Knicks is like sitting in the back of a Maybach while the driver drives you a totally different experience yeah,
0: nobody was doing that i'm like listen man i'm like <laughs> right <"No, laughs> let me nobody show live you live in the city I'm yeah like, Don't everyone's, know, out know, no white, everyone's out in
2: white, plain. white plain. Yeah. everyone's out I'm in white plane white plane without
0: white plane man listen i found me a penthouse in the city you know what i'm saying and i'm like i'm gonna enjoy new york and also yeah, hold myself yeah. accountable to being the player i need to be to-
1: yeah you know it's crazy <laughs> I seen Amari Stoudemire say nobody live in the city. It's crazy how Melo's making all that money, but I seen a video of him bitching about paying all that rent for a, a penthouse in the city. He was paying about eighteen thousand dollars a month when he first arrived on the team, and he was not happy about that shit.
0: Team a playoff team, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it, it was definitely a vibe. Mm-hmm. So
2: despite a big season, you guys uh, go down to Boston uh, and come across an injury in 2012 and after that it never really seemed like you were no one's really paying for you but you were injury ridden uh the rest of your time and
1: And just quickly touching base on that boston series that series was pretty much peak mellow with amari sadamari together that's the most we got both of them at their peak because that series if we just paid a bit more attention to small details in that series it could have been a lot closer than what it was but that was beautiful to see the Knicks' potential in that series of what they could be, had Amari Sadamari stayed healthy.
0: Yeah, I was struggling, man. I I, I had a uh, I was uh, after like the like third year, I started having like a, you know some, some minor little injuries that would add up, and I was trying to get myself together, but I couldn't find the right proper technique with the trainings with the training situation, and so. Uh, I was having some nitten-natt situations like going through that whole process. I couldn't really get it figured out. And so for like two and a half years, I was ridden with like little, small little injuries that was affecting me. But I also felt positive about it because, you know, bringing in Melo, Melo was able to somewhat carry the load even though it was tough for him to be by himself. But he was still able to carry the load and try to do what he could to make sure the team was still being successful, uh, while his big dog was still trying to get himself together. you know, it was definitely a tough stretch there the last two two years or so.
1: And Amari Stoudemire, best believe, he did all he could to get back on the court. That guy is fully dedicated. I mean, he had that season, I believe it was in 2013 or 2014-15, where he was just playing really effective from bench because his minutes were limited. But best believe, he reminds me of Grant Hill, a guy that went through hell from surgeries and just dealing with a bunch of injuries or fought through it. I still end up playing solid minutes for a team and having a solid career. And Amari Sotomayor also spoke about that famous red wine bath photo, how that came about.
0: Hey, listen, man. I was, man, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, this, this, this female friend I was, I was, um, you know, talking with, she gave me a gift, right? And she gave me a gift, and, and the gift was to go to this ancient bath place go in there, it's like, um, it's like very romantic. You have like the hot tub, you got a- Send me the addy. You got the salt bath, <laughs> you got the cold plunge, you got all this, and then the gift for me was like to take this wine bath. I'm like, a wine bath? i take like, a wine bath for? So I go in there, you know what I'm saying, take the wine, I get, I get into the bath, it's like half wine, half water. It's like 98 degrees, 100 degrees in the
1: bag. They bring it. That shit sound like some blood sacrifice shit. God damn. It's
0: water. And also they bring their glasses on and just relax. That's why I was doing it, man. I took a little selfie shot and it went viral. You know what I'm saying?
1: Once again, and at that time, Instagram was just a bubbling small app. And it started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And when Amari my joined the Knicks, was pretty much the beginning of all that. So players started to see how stars that play for New York were living.
0: Yeah, anytime I had a day off, I'd go there and all the, all the baths, right, the salt bath, which has good body rejuvenation, the cold plunge, our contrast between cold and hot, you know what I'm saying, i jump in the wine bath. It was like a nice little day of recovery for me, and so that's what I was doing.
1: So Mario Siderman was also asked, how much does that wine bath cost?
0: Check, baby, you gotta cut the
2: check. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. So how much would a wine how much would a, how much would a wine bath cost? I,
1: I need to know.
0: I'm a port I'm a port drinker, my Amar. Yeah. Stat, I love drinking ports. That's my thing, ports. I love ports. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. You sit on that
2: think I wanted to know what was your most expensive wine bath?
0: Most expensive wine bath? Yeah. Man. Gotta add some zeros to that.
2: Yeah, because you a bit you <laughs> hey, you hey, you're a big you big motherfucker, so it's gonna take a lot of bottles. Hey, facts. I'm telling
0: you. Uh, <laughs> actually, you know what the bath the tub sits for people, so it's like a big, I seen big, it. big
2: yeah. I seen yeah. the thing you did on ESPN, yeah, so that was big yeah. as shit. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I can only imagine how much that wine bath cost. But it is what it is. Once again, the Maris out definitely bought a brand of exciting basketball back to the city. It gave hope, you know, to the city because it was a while since we had a legit star in the league on the team. It is what it is. Until next time, you guys stay safe in these Rona streets. Peace.